Hello, and welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and good chance to get together again, catch up on what uh, we've been reading, and plenty to talk about. Yeah, we didn't have an exceptionally huge reading week, but we each read a couple of things that we really liked. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, picking it up a little bit, and uh, I've got a lot more good stuff in the hopper, but uh, not going to get too far ahead of myself. (laughs) Tell us what you've been up to. Okay, the first thing that I read over these last two weeks was a new book by Laura Tremaine called The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. It's not set up to be 10 friends that you should have at every stage in your life, but she's looking at your life as being kind of like a business, which would have a council that runs it, a board. And so these, this life council, it's the kinds of friends that guide you through all the stages of your life. So she talks about old friends and um, daily friends, business friends, all kinds of people in different areas of your life that you might be friends with. I felt that this book was a really helpful thing for adult friendships. When you're a kid, you're around your friends all the time. You're thrown together at school. And lots of times you are friends by proximity first. And then you figure out if you have anything in common. And when you're, you are adults and you're working, you're not in college anymore, you don't really have that proximity anymore. And so that's why lots and lots and lots of people are very lonely and feel like they don't have a lot of friends. But when you look at the course of friends over a whole lifetime and then also the different ways that you interact with people now as an adult, it's really kind of illuminating. And I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I really liked the way it made you look at the way you approach friendships as an adult and kind of analyze what you might need to change. And it wasn't even so much 10 prototypes as 10 roles with the idea that, that a person could fulfill more than one at a given time or may evolve from one role to another role as you both you know, age and mature. Exactly. And you don't need all 10 right, at one time. Right. So I felt a little bit better after that. I was like, 10 friends, that's, that's a lot. You can tell I'm an introvert. <laughs> Well, we both are. Um, But definitely that book's worth checking out. Then I read Forever Interrupted by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I think that this was her debut novel. Um, It was about a woman who had married her husband after they'd only been together for a few months. And then they're only married like maybe two weeks when he dies in an accident. So I was... A little bit nonplussed at the beginning of this book, I will admit, because the husband dies on maybe page five and really wasn't sure where she was going to go from there with this. But one of the things that Taylor Jenkins Reid does really, really well is write about grief. And if you've read multiple of her books, you see that theme is in every single one of them. So in this one, what she looks at is the husband dies, his mom comes, and his mom had no idea that the wife even existed. Not, not, that, not even that they were Ouch. married, but that, that she was even a person, yeah, in her son's life. So there's that conflict as both of them also have to figure out what each of them meant to this man mm-hmm. and then what they might mean to each other and how to deal with their grief going forward. So it's a good book. Not going to replace Daisy Jones as your no, favorite, though. it's not my favorite. It really isn't, but um, and the show it was is good. still a good book. We've just got to finish Ted Lasso so that we can watch more of it. <laughs> we have gotten so caught up in Ted Lasso, like watching the same episodes multiple times and leaving poor Daisy Jones, but we'll come back to her. I think she's doing well without us. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, then I read The Lonely Hearts Book Club by Lucy Gilmore. I saw this one in Barnes & Noble. It was one of their picks of the month. Um, in this book, you've got a main character, Sloan, who is a librarian. Um, Arthur is this very grumpy old man whom she runs into at the library, one of the patrons. And then the way that their unusual relationship unfolds through the rest of the story. Um, this one wasn't my favorite that I read this month. It did, or these past two weeks, it did have some interesting things. My favorite thing about it was the way that it used literature, classic lit, to develop the course of these characters and their conflict and to help them solve their problems. I really do like books that do that kind of thing. Um, and then the number of characters and multiple perspectives from which the story was told, it was all interesting and it was very real problems that these characters brought up that they turned to literature to solve. But a trifle sentimental, you told me. It was very much so, yeah. And, you know, if I think it's too sentimental, then it probably... Because yeah, we like some pretty sentimental books. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. we're both not ashamed of that. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. Then I read my very favorite book from these past two weeks, which is called You Could Make This Place Beautiful by Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith is primarily a poet. She wrote the poem that went viral, Good Bones, which is the first thing that I ever read of hers, and I was just knocked over by it. The last line of Good Bones, I think it's the last line, is where she took the title of this book. Mm -hmm. And this book was also, when I picked it up, it raised some questions for me because it's a memoir. She's a, a poet who writes a memoir, and it's hard sometimes for people to jump, jump genres. Mm -hmm. But she did a great job with this. It's a very unusual memoir, and then it's not written in chapters. It's really written in short little excerpts. And some of the excerpts may be a paragraph or a sentence, sometimes just a quote or a question. And then some of them do look more like traditional chapters. She wrote this book about her divorce and then how she found herself again after it. So the structure of this book really lent itself well to that, to the way that in grief and recovery, your mind jumps around, your worries jump around, you cling to different things at different times. Her writing was lyrical. This was absolutely beautiful all the way through. And for a book that's written about something so sad, it was really ultimately very hopeful. That you yeah, can... you said she didn't write it to, to rip her ex or yeah, anything. No. I mean, that's not the agenda. So. No, it's really to say, okay, this terrible thing has happened to me. What was my part in it? And then how do I forgive? How do I find myself? How do I make this life good again, this place beautiful again? This one life that I get to inhabit. Um, I would really recommend, I almost recommended it to you, just because I thought you would think the writing was really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. so. Well, let's see how the upcoming Harrison Scott Key book goes, which deals with some of those same themes, albeit uh, he and his wife uh, got back together and are married again now, but uh, I'm interested to, to read that one. That's one I keep thinking about, and it's still not released, but we're getting closer and closer. I am, and I'm mostly curious how... Harrison Scott Key is a humor writer, really. Yeah. How's he going to make divorce funny? How's he going to make his reconciliation with his wife funny? You know, you say that, but he's a very sweet sentimental writer. I think about the book about his dad. He, he, can, he can turn poignant to her. He really can. He's a so, gorgeous writer, too. I am yeah. very excited for this book. And we never can remember exactly when it's coming out. But it's soon. It's coming. Yeah. Maybe June. That feels right. Whenever it is, we'll be talking about it here. <laughs> we will. As the, long as we remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key right there. Yeah. The last book that I read over these past two weeks was a reread. It's called Jesus, Bread, and Chocolate by John J. Thompson. 
He is a writer out of Nashville. He's more known, I think, for his work in the music industry. But he wrote this book in an attempt to reconcile his faith with what he viewed as an increasingly consumeristic kind of culture. Um, so he talked in this book about how bread has become, you know, wonder bread and just the homogenization of all these things that we take for granted. Like bread. bread, yeah. yeah. And chocolate and all those kinds of things. Hershey's, he's, he's got some issues with because mm. of the way it's watered down chocolate. And he said, in much the same way that we have accepted these watered down versions of really, really good things, we've done the same thing in our faith. So he talks about bread, chocolate, beer, music. Um, there's a great part in there where he's talking to Buddy Miller about the twang in music and what that actually means, like the feeling, the soul of a song. And he compares all of this to the way we live out our faith. And um, again, maybe a sort of oddly structured book from the beginning, from the outside. You had me at Buddy Miller. <laughs> but I felt like it worked really well, and I appreciated what he had to say. Interesting. I thought maybe he just wrote a book about his favorite things. That would be uh, possible, I think, too. I think these were also his favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do a lot worse. Okay, so for me, I finally finished... David McCulloch's Mornings on Horseback, uh, which is about the life of Teddy Roosevelt, but specifically about the youth of Teddy Roosevelt. McCulloch is honest in his intro in saying, I set out to write a book about his youth, and that's what I did, and it kind of grew in scope beyond where uh, I initially thought it would go, but yet it really leaves off um, still pretty early in his career, well, well, well shy of the uh, presidency. He's you know, dabbled in politics so that you can at least see the writing on the wall. But um, McCulloch spends a lot of his time talking about his family, uh, which is an unusual family. His uh, mother and her Confederate roots, yes, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, ties to the Confederacy. Uh, his father, who is this great captain of industry, but who Roosevelt always has this incredible soft spot for, who was his hero. Um, his siblings, I, it, it, they really were a pretty remarkable family, but of course, Teddy is the, the shining star, but an unlikely one. Uh, a, a, uh, kid who really spent most of his youth fighting asthma, which doesn't sound that bad, but he had it really severely. And, uh, it's funny to read as he grows and he matures, his asthma just kind of mysteriously fades away. And, and it does, of course. I yeah. mean, that's, that's legitimate. That's, that's not just, uh happenstance but it's funny how it works that way <laughs> um it's a good book but i uh, i probably prefer the one that i'm rereading that i started now uh which is the bully pulpit which is kind of another teddy roosevelt book that will help me get over not getting much of his later life because it's <laughs> also a book about william howard taft who is of course the 27th president and comes next Just so look at you go it's a doris kearns good one i love that one uh, looking forward to reading it again. Although, actually, I started, I, I uh, got the audiobook going the other day with Ryan in the car. And he said, that's very interesting. So, <laughs> <laughs> got to know your audience. Uh, you and, do, indeed. And speaking of knowing your audience, I also read a biography called Chuck Berry, An American Life by R.J. Smith. This is a new one. I uh, just checked out, happened to see it at the public library and thought, huh, try that. Chuck Berry uh, was cantankerous to the nth degree. Uh, most of the stories about him are not exactly favorable stories. He was miserly, difficult, uh, just 
and, and American a original. <laughs> but but yes, but also lest we forget, a genius uh, in many ways, the creator of rock and roll, and also a guy who got sick of being asked about creating rock and roll. Which <laughs> I can I can get that. Uh, the thing I will say for Smith's book is that I feel it is the most rounded portrait of Barry I've gotten. You do get more of his background. You do get more of an understanding of why he was the way he was. And at the same time, I don't think Smith really apologizes for who he was. He plays it straight. Um, and there are many less than flattering stories, uh, but there also are a lot of stories where you see you know, the genius of the man shine through. And uh, I think probably the ultimate takeaway on Chuck Berry is that the best of Chuck Berry was never supposed to be some kind of statement in his personal life. The best of Chuck Berry was what's in the grooves on the vinyl record. It's Johnny B. Good. It's Maybelline. Uh, that's the way I think Chuck Berry would want us to remember him. And uh, it's the way that he came into my life as a little kid. Uh, this great voice from nowhere who nobody else sounded like before or since. And... Uh, I'll be sentimental and remember him that way. But, there you go. But there were some interesting stories of the rest of him <laughs> here, too. So, Chuck Berry, An American Life, Best Bear Biography. I've read, and I've read a couple. So, praise Good for deal. that one from R.J. Smith. All right, on to the shared read. And this was a convoluted when the Bible tells me so why defending Scripture has made us unable to read it by Peter Enns. And you've talked about this a little bit for me. The, the thing that was unique, I'm not sure the last time I ever read a book was where it was kind of like a book in three acts. And I more or less liked the first one. I really didn't particularly care for the second one. And then the third one kind of brought me back. And I was like, well, maybe that wasn't all bad. Well, and the other thing was by the time you got to the end of it, thinking about that, you're also starting to realize probably everything you just said is what Peter Enns wanted you to think because I feel like he wrote this book to inspire questions and to make you think and to make you uncomfortable yeah. more than to give you some easy answers. I think very true. Uh, it is telling that the back cover of the book uh, the question on the back cover, what do you do when the Bible doesn't behave? And he poses a lot of the things in this book very provocatively because uh, your immediate answer as a Christian is to say the Bible does behave. Yeah, you are heretic. wrong about this. Um, but that's what he wants you to think about. Yeah. And, and, and I think where I ultimately came away from the book is saying that I think a lot of Enz's points, either I would agree with or I think are legitimate enough to be worthy of thoughtful contemplation and consideration, that, that we do tend as a culture in Christianity to probably read the Bible a little bit too much like a recipe book, a little too much like a how-to book, and not often enough with the big historical contextual picture in mind. Uh, at the same time, there are times in here where he goes too far for me and he pretty much loses me completely. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I've, we, we had a teacher in college, you and I, who I think she loved playing the provocateur sometimes oh, and did. just saying contrary things to rattle people a little bit. <laughs> and I think a little bit of her soul might have gotten <laughs> jumbled up with a little bit of his because he's got a little bit of that in this book. But again, there's nothing really wrong with asking provocative questions, even questions that you hope will make people angry as long as it makes them think and question. And that was a big part of the book. Why do we believe the Bible tells us these things? Mm -hmm. Why do we accept certain things about the Bible that may not be actually 
based in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. At times, ends airs a little for me on the side of, well, we don't know this and we can't know that, so we can't really know anything, so let's just throw it all up in the air and start from scratch. <laughs> and we get a little loosey-goosey for me. I'm, right, I'm a right. type A person. I, I, you know, I, I like definitive answers. I like factual accounts. But I do have to wrestle with the fact that maybe that's not always what I'm dealing with here. You know, he's got his point, even when I think maybe he pushes it a little too far. And I would recommend a book like this for a mature Christian who wants to be shaken up a little bit in their approach to the scriptures. I wouldn't recommend it for just anybody. I think it would confuse people who aren't. Um, who are trying to make a relationship with right, the Bible in right, the first place. Right, yeah. It, don't let this be your starting place or you're going to be weirded out ten ways from Sunday. No <laughs> puns intended. Uh, but if you're more a veteran saying, okay, let, let's let's mess with a few preconceived notions here, then, then uh, it's not a bad read at all. I did appreciate the fact that he was willing to take a controversial look at things that had been held as just sacred. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rachel Held Evans was one of the blurbers, so... Uh, and Rachel Held Evans, I, I thought about her as you and I talked about this book because she is another author whom we we both love her. We held her in very high esteem, and yet we did not agree with everything she wrote in her books either. And almost every book of hers that we read, both of us sat down and discussed it. What did we agree with? What challenged us in it? Um, and what helped us to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's the point. Yeah, yeah, shake up our, our complacency. So that's what Peter Enns is trying to All do. Right. And uh, the Bible tells me so. It was an interesting one. So that's going to bring us to our next shared read in two weeks. We are very excited about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going back to fiction. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really has. I, all the other stuff I'm working on, there's no fiction, so yeah. So You we, make me read fiction, basically. I, I love fiction. I just, <laughs> I feel like fiction's more of a gamble. Nonfiction, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting more of a sure thing. The ceiling is lower, but the floor is higher. I find generally fiction captivates me and pulls me through if it's good. I will quit a novel now if I if I don't keep wanting to read it. Yeah. With nonfiction, I will generally keep plugging along yeah, for a yeah. long time. I'm not going to say I never quit nonfiction, but I, I will Takes hang a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. So the book that we're going to be talking about next time is called Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. I mentioned it. A few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and just thought it was fantastic. You raved. Oh, my gosh. I, it's one of my top books of the year. It's so good. So now you're going to read it. Uh-huh. And um, our friend Haley, who is, I believe, the person who really sold this one to me and her reviews of it, is going to come on the podcast and talk about it with mm-hmm. us. So we are super excited to have Haley. If you have listened to this podcast for a while, you know that we have read a lot of things that were recommended by her. If you follow, if you are on Instagram, you can follow her at Read Anyways. She has a number of really, really great book recommendations, and we really can't wait to talk to her about this book. Yeah, it should be a blast. And uh, what can I say? Diving back into fiction. I just got the book today, so I was glad you remembered the title because it's sitting in the room, and I had no idea what it was. But Believe I'll me. I'll know it tomorrow. I'll put I, it that way. I forget, you know, a quarter of the things that I read, but I will not forget this book. Um, if you have thoughts about anything that we read or talked about this week or about Hello Beautiful, 
or anything that you think we ought to be reading, you can email us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. We would love to hear from you. Absolutely. And thanks for listening. Whatever you're into right now, I hope it includes some reading. I'll take care. Bye.